Hey everyone, got some bonus content for you today. Zach, Anya, Ian, and I sat down to record a commentary track for Book 1, Chapter 5, which came out all the way back in 2014. Uh, this was really fun to do, and we hope you enjoy our uh, insights, such as they are, as well. Um, this was a milestone goal that we promised on Patreon for reaching $650 per month, so thank you so much to everyone who helped us get there. If you're not already a patron and you like what you hear, we've promised another commentary track at $850 per month, in addition to a bunch of other cool rewards that you will get for supporting us. You can sign up at patreon.com slash onceinfuturenerd. I also want to tell you about Tab for a Cause. Tab for a Cause is a browser extension that lets you raise money for charity while doing your thing online. Whenever you open a new tab, you'll see a beautiful photo and a small ad. And then part of the money raised by that ad goes towards a charity of your choice. You can join our Tab for a Cause team by signing up at tabforacause.org slash T-O-A-F-N. This commentary track is going to be the last thing we release in 2022, but we will be back on January 29th for the premiere of Book 2, Chapter 9. In the meantime, everyone here at the Once and Future Nerd would like to wish you and your loved ones a wonderful holiday season and a happy new year, so enjoy the bonus content and I will talk to you again in 2023. LinkedIn keeps sending me emails it's like, hey, do you want to see what your ex-girlfriend posted on LinkedIn? Do you want to see what your dad posted on LinkedIn? But <laughs> no, for very different reasons. <laughs> and like the idea that like I, I tried to imagine living a kind of life where like I don't have the kind of relationship with my dad where I can just ask him what's going on. But I do have the kind of relationship where I need to know what he's posting on LinkedIn. <laughs> And I was like, oh, this, this must be what it feels like to be Eric Trump, you know? <laughs> um, should we stop? Yes, we should. I've been recording for we a should. while. Yeah. Uh, but let's... Uh... Hello, everyone, and welcome to this bonus commentary track of The Once and Future Nerd. Today, we are going to be reviewing, revisiting Book 1, Chapter 5, The Worthiest Night. I'm Zach. I'm here joined, as always, with Christian. Hi, Christian. Hey, guys. And also with Anya Gibeon. Hello, Anya. Hi. Hello. And, and the incomparable Ian Harkins. <laughs> what? What was that? Hi. Now I need to think of something to compare you to. I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I'm incomparable, then I, I can't be compared to anything. Just like anything that's, uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, has, has, have we all seen The Court Jester, 1954 classic with Danny Kaye and Basil Rathbone and Angela Lansbury? I have not. Uh, that's the one with Get It, Got It Good? Yes. Yes. Well, yes, I watched it the other night, and there's the incomparable Giacomo. So you, we could compare you to that. Done. That is who you're compared to. Comparable okay. only in his incomparableness. <laughs> yes. Well, banter aside, today we're going to be listening to, as I said, The Worthiest Night Part 1. This, or all of The Worthiest Night, beginning with Part 1. This episode first aired... June eighth, twenty fourteen. Good God, which was was some time ago. So so, uh, does anyone have any any thoughts before we dive in? Any thoughts about state of the world in twenty fourteen or <laughs> our personal uh, situations back then? Oh my God, I was trying to remember what apartment I lived oh. in in twenty fourteen. 
And now I remember, and it was very small, and the radiators were very loud. <laughs> I, I think I've regenerated since then. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't... 2014, I was in Brooklyn, and the rest is a blur. Yeah, I think I must have, must have been... I must have been living in Harlem in 2014, and I was probably working on Marco Polo Season 1 for Netflix, I think. <laughs> Wow. Did that get a season two? It did. I did not work oh, on okay. season two. Okay. It, got a se- it got a season two. I don't know if anybody watched season two. No shade to the show. Although it was a it was a Weinstein project, so some shade. And there go our, our careers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and on that note, uh, should we just dive in? Yeah, yes. let's hit it. Oh, right. That's up to me. Okay. Here we go. The Once and Future Nerd Book 1, Princes of Jordan Chapter 5, The Worthiest Knight Episode 1 King Gunther's body floated to the centre of a small, tranquil lake. Brennan stood and watched as his king, his friend, began his final journey to a watery rest, to reside for eternity in Selbrin. The morning was silent, save for the crackling flames of the king's pyre barge. A man of Gunther Guernatal's status deserved an elaborate barge, painted and carved. He deserved to be sent off directly into the Sea of the Ancestors, attended by dignitaries from all corners of the world. Instead, he was attended only by Brennan and Regan, on what might generously be called a raft. The silence stretched... Something I'm aware of just technically from, from listening to this now is like... I, I've gotten used now to listening to podcasts at 1.5 speed, and so... I, okay, I have a lot to get through, but, um, but just technically how, uh, you know, we, we do spend our time in these, and I think deservedly so, in just weaving the, the story together with like, just a slower uh, pace that audio dramas sometimes demand. I'm a big fan of, of silence, especially in, in audio drama. Like, I think, you know, it lets the, the audience read a, a lot into um, the, the characters' emotions. Never really thought about it. That being said, I do also partake in the 1.5 speed. Um, I do tend to play, uh, you know, talk and news podcasts faster than I do audio dramas, but yeah. I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be above putting an audio drama at 1.1, 1.2. I'm too much of a snob. I mean, I'll do it. I, I could see it for talk shows, but not comedy or fiction for me. Well, talk conversations like tend to be faster paced because people are not setting up like a conversation for the purpose of like a plot or something happening, but literally just to talk about a topic. Yeah. So things get like explained more rapidly. And yet you don't really have to pay as much attention to like get the point because people tend to repeat themselves. Like I just. Yeah. Or you. Yeah. And, and people tend to repeat themselves. Rage fighting. 
and each other to restate the point a couple times. Yeah, and each oh, other. and then they'll restate the point once or twice. <laughs> but to bring it back, I do, I did really enjoy the pacing of this scene. I really liked the way we set up that that funeral moment for yeah, that was for a the nice, late king. That was a nice moment. And this was, I believe, this was the last chapter um, with Hayes Dunlap, who was our first. Yellowing, um, and we're very, oh yes, yeah. Is that the first switch out? Oh. Yes, that was no. The first switch out was um, Emily, who played Nia before. Actually, no. First, it was Paul subbed in for Perry. Then, oh, right. Then yes, it yes. was Rhiannon in for Emily, and then it was Greg in for Hayes. Honor your God's damned post and protect these children. Nia turned and ran after the children, not waiting for a response. Yiluin hesitated a moment, but just a moment before following. We should jump in that hay pile, like Assassin's Creed. And then just wait for them to stop investigating? Well, when you say it like that... That's Paul. That's Paul. Yeah, that's definitely Rhiannon. I also like the Assassin's Creed joke. Yeah, that was a good one. Yep. You must have been so frightened. I only did as I had to, Melody. Would that I were as brave On Lily as Gwen. You're the brave one. What did you say to her? She asked why I cared. Why I was willing to risk my life, and I said, well, I said that- As Ardell entered the room, the two women dove apart from each other. You, wench, come. If he noticed their- I miss the- I miss the early days of setting up this- this plotline. A cruel twist at the corner of his mouth. It did have a long setup for a a pretty satisfying fall at the end. Now that we're yeah, where we are now like, in the plot, yeah. To 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 think back on this, like I've I have I, I have enjoyed the characters that we have gotten to uh, do some hang time on while that aren't the the three main kids uh, from Pennsylvania. I think that and and Arlene's story has been particularly uh, poignant, and I like, you know, treat, um, uh, take our, our Dell, uh, take our necromancer, you know, all these people that it's just wonderful to see misery befall them now because we had all this time setting that up. I'll send my man to help you. Which I always find interesting because a lot of times in the later years, when I try to introduce new folks to the show and they have to experience like the beginning with the characters before uh, they've gotten sorry, to where one, they're going. One thing, uh, they get to experience. Continue. Oh they, they get to experience, <laughs> but but I do I do sometimes hear some comments that the burn is quite slow if you don't know that the payoff is coming. And for us, we've experienced the payoff. We know it's coming, but it's it's interesting to hear back on. Was simply Adele Redmore's whim. What did the assassin say to you? She said to get out of a why, or she would kill me, my lord. And how did you respond? I said I couldn't allow her to leave, my lord. Yes, I'm sure you summon such bravery in the face of a mortal threat. Carmen is unknown for that. 
She didn't leave Strider away, did she? If you address one more sentence to me that doesn't end in my lord, I'll have your tongue out. Do you understand? Yes, my lord. Now, what's this nonsense about her not leaving straight away? Well, my lord, they announced his majesty's death just before ten bells. And I was in the pantry just after seven bells, my lord. I brought enough food to the barracks to know the guard would have changed, my lord. If the assassin had slain his majesty before I met her, they would have found his body sooner, my lord. Gwen actually smiled at this. I like it. Like something, yeah, it's fun early on when, like, Gwen as a character, I think, is really good at, like, finding moments, like, little moments of empowerment to grab despite extremely disempowering circumstances. I think that makes her a really interesting character, and I think it makes her, like, a really good, um... Like, almost a foil for Arlene in a way that helps Arlene grow. Speaking of character choices, like, Dan, like, yeah. there is no way this character... Like, if you just heard this character in isolation, you go, oh, yeah, he's the smarmy bad guy. Yeah. Wonderful choice. Dan gets so many smarmy bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> He's, kind, he's a victim of his own success. Yeah, in even, even when he's assigned to play the good guy, he's like... Let me make this abundantly clear, you peasant slut. Yikes, I forgot about that line. Yeah, he's not... not yeah. Well, it was 2014. Times were different. I would hesitate to do to you. Yeah, slut was an insult. Anything. Gwen did her best to remain composed. No, I do remember, like, that, that Arlene had come, has come so far from being, like, so meek and, like, terrified. Yeah. And I'm sure by now you know... So much has happened to her. Yeah. Yes. So, like, the tensest scenes have been with Arlene. Yeah. Oh. His sneer widened a fraction. So, as far as you're concerned, Gunther's death and Brennan's and the assassins happened exactly as was said in my Lord Regent's record. And if I hear any rumors otherwise, regardless of who started them, it will come out of my sister's fetid flesh. Now throw her in the dungeon for a day or three to make sure she understands. The fortress known as Blackhold is a stark, severe castle just to the east of the Black Mountains. No town or village surrounds the keep. It's black. I'm trying to remember what this. I don't remember what this scene is. The other scene. I was just trying. This morning, same as centuries prior, a single standard flew from Blackhold's tower. A field of sable, no adornment. Within the keep, Officers of the realm's civic guard studied a map of Jordan. At the head of the table sat the senior officer, a grizzled general by the name of Dylan Kerr. He manipulated tiny figurines of armsmen wearily. I have no doubt Traft is coming here. 
All right, this is my was... <laughs> this is my best John F. Kennedy um, because uh, th- what what this oh, guy? Oh, I thought it was found footage of JFK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah, thanks. Because um, what this guy says about Traft is like very closely modeled on an interview that Kennedy gave about Fidel Castro in like '62. Or something that if you go back and read, it's like it's remarkable in today's context that he said that and still got to be president. But so anyway, when I encountered that quote, I it stuck with me and that I, you know, incorporated it into this this bit, which is why I just decided this guy sounded like JFK. Brennan, feel free to disagree with me, creators uh, and Anya, but I feel like. We spent a lot of the first year, maybe two of of the ones in Future Nerd, sort of making like we've already talked about an Assassin's Creed reference. Uh, we're talking about this reference. Like we we try to weave references into uh, a lot of things. Like that's that's just scratching the surface. Those two examples, and now we're just comfortable to let the story sort of drive itself a lot more. Agree or disagree? Hmm. Not comfortable, but but we are. But we have so much more story to get through that we just get through the story more. I think the references we make are more self-referential now that we've established enough of like a world building. Mm. And like whether maybe the original reference was like something outside of the world, yeah, but now, now that there's we, enough of like an ongoing like not even like joke but just like ongoing sort of building on the references yes and now how like you know the narrator can make fun of himself from earlier or we we uh bring back to imagine if you can what life is like for a rabbit and um yeah 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 i think that's i think that's a good way to say it like we just we have so many more toys in our sandbox now and like when we started we had to steal toys from other people's sandboxes but now we've we've got a very full sandbox i think also like like i mean game of thrones was out but it was like new when we started Mm. you know it was like maybe season like three yeah i feel like there's like just a, a like a huge like a rich more rich like fantasy into the mainstream nowadays. Mm. And maybe we're trying to be, I think we're trying to sort of position ourselves as like, we're like this thing. We're kind of like this thing. We're kind of like this thing. Like you should like us because we're similar to property you might've heard of. Right, right, right. And now Game of Thrones and like House of Dragon and like the, you know, the Lord of the Rings sequel are just like, you know, everywhere and promoted. It's like people get it. We don't have to like sell people on fantasy. Yeah. Um, it's a prequel, Anya. Sure. Thanks for inviting me here, guys. <laughs> Do we want to spoil the end for everyone? Brennan, <laughs> I think maybe we've done that. Uh, the self front or the the referencing outside things as one-off bits less, as we don't need that as a crutch. But I think we do still have some pretty. Uh, large, you know, big picture things we'll still reference. Like, I mean, the the main baddie west of the mountains is an elf named Tim Lo Yif, who sounds a lot like 
Thomas, Jeff, person. <laughs> like, we're still doing things like that. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get that. <laughs> Thank you for explaining. <laughs> I, I, I got it because it was explained to me, so that's... The tavern was filled with students discussing... And this is, this is the way Christian's mind works. More than mine, let's say. <laughs> Am I wrong, Christian? Uh, you're not wrong. Um, I, love to get, I love to get roasted on my own podcast. <laughs> well, well have we have the group with yeah. with us for you right now i'm gonna pitch this right now we just have one uh episode that drops into the main feed of just everyone roasting christian oh, oh good respect myself so little that minor insults require mortal combat i'll start no adult man should love bruce springsteen that as much and there you have it this was one of the first if things that we did where I was like, I know these characters well enough that we can, like, play, like, we can do, like, there's this whole bit going on where Regan and Brennan both imagine what they think the other characters would have said, and I think that still works really well and was really fun. Oh, yeah, I remember this. How... How long, Christian and Zach, does it feel like you need to have a character before you can start to play around with them? Like, how long do you work on his character establishment and now let's set them in the world? Book learning, book learning, book learning. I think I was always more concerned about than Christian was. Christian had a lot of faith in our audience that they'd pick up on it really quickly. And there were a lot of things where I was kind of holding the reins back a bit. But Christian was all for jumping into that pretty quickly. I think for me, it's like, it kind of depends. Like, I need to wash some library dust out of my criminally neglected fuckhole. Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Um, um, I think it kind of depends on, like, what happens to the character. Like, characters kind of, I think, reveal themselves at different paces the more things happen but you know we've talked a lot about how like chapter four which we did the last commentary on was the one where we like really felt like we had our legs underneath us so it makes sense that the following one is one that like we could start to to play as well if there was a window I did really enjoy this this uh, premise or bit where we had uh, Regan and Brennan being detectives and kind of assembling the conversations that they imagined yeah. the party was happening. I really enjoyed this. She was probably just in to use the privy with Nia. She would have tried to warn everyone. But yeah, so to answer your question, I suppose the last chapter, chapter four, was means coming out here approximately episode uh six plus four plus four so episode 15 was the start of chapter four where we started feeling comfortable so 15 20 episodes in is you know a good solid couple hours of screen time in and also you know a couple years of writing time as Regan helped the old and chemistry. Yeah. It became chemistry too. It's like huge working deal. together and, and working in this medium more and understanding a little bit better just how to do it. Door hidden beneath the ashes. Nelson. Regan agreed. Torch from the rubble and hopped down. Brennan rubbed his bandaged arm for a moment and then followed. Earlier that day, before the fire, the well groomed lemming was indeed populated by students of Armstrong Guard College. 
I regret to say that there was no congressing occurring on the premises, however. <laughs> Mia, having frequented the pub herself as a student, had in fact led our party to the Lemmings doors. If we're not going to the rendezvous point... You mean the city gates, also known as city guard barracks? I was going to say, there's the practical matter of how we'll find the general. I just need a chance to think. With exaggerated nonchalance, Yellowine removed a golden arrowhead from his pouch and dropped it in the dust outside the door as the group entered the lemming. Let's hope he's learned something about tracking from his time with me. Inside, the tavern's clientele were not in fact discussing studently matters, though they would have been on most other days. Today, however... I don't know, I just heard someone kill the guardsman. I bet there's someone here who can give us a side quest. I think we got enough to deal with already stained, but experience... And items. Not knowing what else... Speaking of these one-off references to generic video games. They waited in silence until a barmaid came to serve them. Haven't seen you in a while. Brandy, for the love of Galadin. Taken aback, the barmaid hurried off. The silence stretched interminably until abruptly Jen leapt from her seat. So sudden was her movement that her chair was thrown back, startling the group as it clattered to the floor. I gotta pee. You want Nia to go with you? Nope, I'm good. Just as swiftly, Jen stalked away towards the privy. Billy and Nelson stared at each other for a moment, if either hoped to find an ounce of understanding of the girl's mind in the other's face, they were both sorely disappointed. Instead, they turned to Nia in unison. She withstood their silent pleading for only a moment before she rose from her own seat. Blast it. As she headed towards the privy, Nia passed the barmaid returning with the brandy and some glasses. Without breaking stride, Nia grabbed the bottle of liquor and took a large swig directly from the bottle. Jen stood at a water basin in the washroom. For a few moments, she simply stood and stared at her own hands. They were still coated with Sergeant McShane's blood. She considered her stained hands, front and back, before slowly... I was just thinking about how much I enjoy Nia's character. <laughs> yeah. ...slowly and methodically, as if in a trance. And I think there was a little bit of a needle to thread in this episode of, like, it's kind of a fun episode, but, like, we had two really impactful deaths at the end of the last chapter that we also needed to like leave room mm. to deal with I need some time to myself yeah and I liked the way this chapter sort of weaves through like the we know in retrospect that the whole mystery that they're tracking on is sort of a a consequence of Jen dealing with that death mm -hmm. but as we're listening, the audience doesn't necessarily know that until the end. Mm. I like how we crafted that to be very uh, self-congratulatory again. What is the point of these if not to be self-congratulatory? To a mortal, it may have seemed like a hum or buzz, but seen, felt, and smelled. Oh yeah, this is the first chapter where we like really get explicit that Jen has powers, I think. I think we like foreshadowed it in two, but this is the first time we really are like, yep, she got powers. Yeah. And then another, and another in quick succession. Startled, the cheerleader stumbled backwards, knocking the wash basin onto the floor. As she fell, the humming and the sparks suddenly stopped 
although not before one fell to the sawdust floor of the privy. The sawdust, ignited by the spark, Here's a question. What, what studio were we in when we did this one? I think this would have been the Brooklyn one. Fire! Fire! In the privy? How is there a fire in the privy? Who cares how? Students were tearing. <laughs> oh, that one, in, um, that one in Bushwick. In Bushwick. Yes. <laughs> Nia grabbed Jen by the wrist. That was like one episode, maybe two. No, we, I think we were there for like... No, we were there for a while. Yeah, we were there for like the latter half of uh, of book one, I believe. Not yet. Yeah, when we realized that your living room was not a long-term solution. Yeah, we did. Well, we, were in, we did a couple in like Chelsea, though. Yes. So first we did my living room. That didn't work. Then we... <laughs> So um, many ambulances. Yeah. <laughs> then we kind of like uh, did it at my office without authorization. And then that didn't work when people unexpectedly. I wasn't going to tell. And then uh, it didn't work when people unexpectedly were working a Saturday that we planned to record. And I had to tell everybody, like, don't show up, don't show up. Um, and then, yeah, then we were in Chelsea for a couple chapters, like two or three chapters. Oh, you know what? No, we recorded. We recorded the scene when um, uh, Arlene confronts her cousin. We were definitely in Chelsea for that, and that's, I think, six. Yeah. So we were, yeah, we were in Chelsea through chapter six, and then I think seven through ten, we were in Bushwick, and then for book two, we were with with Jared uh, in Soho until the pandemic. Right in the guts. Bam! Oh, yes, right. We introduce a lot of things about Regan in this chapter. I think this is this is the first time that, like, we canonically say that she has sex with women, and it's also the first time we introduce her, her gunpowder fetish. Regan looked around. Also, can we take a moment? Anya Gibeon doing a flawless Boston accent since 2014. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> he runs that in over there. Let students and shit stay there for dirt cheap. It's really not a Boston accent. It's really just a Regan accent. And it, it, yes, it's kind of become its, its own. It's become its own thing. Better than gold if you sure. sell it. My purse is yeah. a bit light since the castle. Don't worry. My credit's pretty good with him. Do me a favor and don't tell me how you earned it. The trick with Fallon is to tell him just enough that he thinks he got something valuable. You throw a couple little clever lies in there, he can be pretty useful for throwing someone off your trail. I remember you used to use monetary policy as a as a, a touchstone. Still, oh, no, still, no, 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 still no. my way in. <laughs> no, that was not the full intro. As I it was not the full intro. I was... Opening the door if anyone else would like to walk through. <laughs> Anya, ladies first. <laughs> Wait, what? I don't remember what it is. Um, it was, I believe it was monetary policy and something else makes my nipples hard. Wicked, wicked hard. Wicked, oh, yeah, yeah, there it is. <laughs> yeah. I think it was just mon monetary policy makes my nipples wicked hard. <laughs> but now there's now it's just like at this point it's just like a mouth shape like mm. I don't know there's just like <laughs> just like jaw, a, I just <laughs> watching you record like your jaw just gets really tense whenever you're Regan 
yeah yeah it's just like the face kind of like comes like a little forward and then it's like everything is like kind of like small and that's like that's it's yeah it's more of a muscle memory at this point it's amazing to me how you can just fall into that in like a conversation like this <laughs> well actually i was thinking i was listening when we listened to the arlene scene earlier i was like i think that her voice has actually evolved quite a bit um, and become like more lyrical. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's very, um, it's very like head voice now. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of gotten higher. It's yeah, it sits in a little higher range, and I think actually Regan, I've pitched a little lower also mm-hmm. over the years. Just yeah. this this early one still still seems like it's a little um, a little higher than she's been talking. Sort of less growly too. Mm tell me why but also she's been injured yeah for like the past year <laughs> and I, I think that i think that happens like jackie fallon famously our our buddy zach valenti on wolf 359 when they started um like eiffel and hilbert's voices were uh, very very similar and as the show went on kind of eiffel got a little more nasally and and hilbert got a little more bassy with you the morning after you remember angie remember i knew her before you did quite the catch though jackie nicely done well i thank you but i'm afraid it's gonna have to be coin or tell me something i don't know as it happened i wonder to what extent our uh very spread apart recording schedule played into this like as we were talking about this was 2014 we've had a lot of time to digest these characters and I wonder it, what what you all think if we would have reached the same level of character development if we were cranking these out, you know, one a month or whatever. How she might better facilitate the flow of information. Her smile widened imperceptibly. Hmm. Um. Well, if we were cranking them out once a month, I don't know how much leeway that gives the the writers. And I think that only the you know the only way you can craft a, a decent character as an actor is because the writers have already done 90% of the work for you. Um, would be my answer. Uh, sometimes it's... it's Sometimes it can be a bit challenging even to remember... You know, Anya, credit to her just now, said like, oh, but um, Arlene has been um, hurt for uh, a while now. And I have to sort of remember if I'm playing different characters as well, like who who has had what happened to them recently. Uh, and sometimes I'll, I'll try to go back and listen to some past episodes for doing these. So I, I, I don't think I've had to go back as far as, as this in a while, but that's something I find I have to, to do quite frequently. I was doing it for... Um, this is my story. Oh, goodness. Who did I have to do that? Suffice it to say... It was a much calmer Regan, at least by her standards, who rose from a small upstairs bed and quickly jumped back into her clothes. Mr. and Mrs. Fallon, on the other hand... Maguire, maybe? Exhausted. Oh, it was 100% Maguire. Yes, it was 100% Maguire, and spoiler alert with some things that I don't think have quite been released yet. Yeah. But a, a, a conversation that he has had has now taken a few episodes... And yes, that was exactly it. It was going back and trying to remember exactly what the setup was to that, how long it had taken him to get there, and some of the points he was trying to make in the conversation and why. With a wink and a small bow, 
Maguire's. Was that vague enough not to spoil anything? Yeah. <laughs> I think that good, was perfect. Good for me. Yeah, this is so. I specifically remember some like fan reaction to this scene of just like explicitly saying that Regan has sex with women. And now, like, audio drama, like, every character is gay in audio drama. Uh, but I think it was like, it, 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 it stuck out at the time of just like, just saying it, you know? Pretty nice ones, too, as far as they go. You want to smell my fingers? Brennan chose not to respond. Saying it pretty uh, bluntly and crudely as this episode is showing us right now. As, as Regan is wont to do. Yeah. There's no, there's no euphemism in Regan's world. How's your arm feeling? Yeah, hey, like we've uh, sure. until the children are safe, your grace. We've been around long enough that I'd like to think we were still cutting edge on some things. Somebody stabbed him. Damn it, Billy. Maybe Nelson, but I doubt it. Damn it. Word going around said it was a girl. Matched Jen's description. No. That strains belief. Doesn't mean she did it, just means everyone thinks she did. It would be madness for them to split up. But that means the greater part of the city guard will be looking for them all. Not just God. Do you know anyone who flies a green falcon on a white field? As ill as Brennan had already looked, he managed to turn a shade more pale at the mention of this. Oh yeah. We were still trying to play off like some sort of Game of Thrones-ish like intrigue between houses in Jordan at this time mm-hmm. before we quickly realized this was not our strength and not a very interesting story. Or just, I mean, I think, I think it just, it went in a different path. Like uh, we found other stuff that was more interesting, which I think is good. Cause then it like feels like our thing. Mm-hmm. They had also just deduced that Jen... For a while, I had some high hopes for that as a storyline, though, but I'm kind of glad it did not pan out. Yeah. I, stick, I think it gave some, gave some details, or at least, like, more sort of rich world building about, like, the different geographic areas of the world and, like, what the houses value based on that and stuff. Because hmm. we didn't do that with the accents, God help us, so the story needed to do some of the work. Brennan and Regan followed the tracks at a jog, hoping they would lead to... Yeah, we were a bit uh, cavalier with accents, weren't we? New oh, character, new accent. Very. Yeah, I mean, it was on... Per- <laughs> like, because one of the first things we talked about was, that we wanted to do was, like, why does fantasy mean modern-day English accents only? So we may have swung the pendulum a little too far, but, uh, you know, you gotta try stuff to see what works. Also, if you have, what, we have like, yeah, we had like eight actors, yeah. maybe ten. Yeah, so you kind of had and, to. And fuck your stupid face. I'm fine, Billy's probably good for one decent dummy punch, so the fucker falls and happens to grab at a table as he goes. A knife happened to be sitting on the table, he knocks it over, nicks his throat, and the town rumor mail turns it into a stabbing. Then Jen comes in and sees. Billy? Oh no, this is terrible, but. I'll stand by you because I only like myself when boys like (laughs) Julie is so good at, like, I love when Julie gets to, like, choose scenery. Like, be a worse (laughs) actor than she is, you know? It's like like Julianne Moore in in Boogie Nights. Standing over a bloody corpse with a thumb up her ass. Possible. Or 
Suppose the death happened exactly as you said. But then Jen said to Billy, Give me the knife and flee by... Galadin's grace. <laughs> I really enjoyed that scene where... <laughs> Brandon's pretty bad at yeah. <laughs> anything. He's not a good writer. Reminds me. You want to know something about Fallon? <clears throat> As I was saying, flee, Billy. I'll take the blame. They'll be more lenient with a girl. Gods, I hope she's not that stupid. They ran along horse tracks in the mud for still a while longer, but unsurprisingly gained little ground. Stop, we gotta stop. We must not lag your grace. Brennan, we're not gonna outrun horses. We gotta try and figure out where they're going, get there before they do. It's the only way to get out in front of this freezom guy. You don't understand how tough this man is. He'll be relentless. Yeah, but the kids will need the rest at some point. I just hope the elf and the preacher are brilliant. Needless to say, that was not the descriptor Brennan was expecting. He stopped his run suddenly. What is it? You see that rocky hill over there? About three miles that way? Hi. There's a monastery up top. The way up's a bitch. Damn near impossible for horses. As an acolyte, Liam may have been allowed lodging there. This was our I'm first... Enjoy, I'm just Sorry, enjoying guys. the scene now. No, I'm just enjoying the scene now. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think part of the reason you're enjoying the scene is because this was our first... Uh, or maybe our second sound designer who we had for almost all of book one, uh, Sandra Ramirez. And she was so good. And, I mean, all of our sound designers are great. Um, but Sandra was... Uh, I don't think we ever would have gotten kind of off the ground without um, Sandra. And then she had to she had to leave us because her career in uh, sound editing for telenovelas took off. Um, and like if you find her on IMDb, she has like 8000 credits because the telenovelas make like three episodes a day. Jen. We really had incredible luck finding yeah. amazing people who want to be a part of the show. Yeah. Uh, very much present company included. Yeah. So he accepted this. You do re- realize I'm here. <laughs> oh, that's true. I take it back. He managed to push Jen away long enough to speak. Really? What is your deal? I don't know. Everything that's Yeah, Ian, your enthusiasm is really lacking. If I could give you a note, Ian. I don't like you like this, Jenny. I am also just enjoying listening. I haven't listened to this episode in a while, and it's... Yeah. You're freaking me out. We've definitely found our legs by this point, I think. Confusion. If not by the last chapter, of course, but it's it's sounding good. I think it also sounds like a little, like, it has, like, a sort of a similar pacing to a television episode in, like, a way that feels, like, familiar and nice. Mm-hmm. ...just in time to observe Billy's exodus. With some trepidation, she not said the word exodus weird. <laughs> Jen, are you decent? Well, so, certainly at this time, Christian, you were... Uh, writing it as though we were writing a TV episode, right? It took a totally. while to sort of push the, the podcast medium a little more. Yeah. I think that's fair. And this isn't an examination. It's an offer of guidance. Well, I don't want guidance. Down in the common room, Yellowin and Nelson still sat at the bar. In the behind the scenes, I'm always the one kind of pushing a little bit to to break away from some of those traditional, you know, TV episode pacings and so forth. And Christian is always the one reminding me that that's like 
a good sto- like it's the storytelling method that TV uses because it works. And it is it is comfortable. You're you're right on you. Heavily next to the elf. Beer me, dude. Women, right? Which one of you studs wrote that yeah. line? as much of a pain in the ass as ours. But then we don't refer to them as ours. It's like I was saying to my servant. Would you like to tell me what happened at the Lemming? Not really, no. Unhealed spiritual wounds are even more noxious than physical ones. Who says I'm wounded? I'm a woman of letters. I'm not... What the fuck do you know about wounds? I bet you still believe in unbalanced humors and that oslip bullshit, don't you? (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm sick and tired of pretending I don't know things I goddamn fucking jolly well do. Firstly... You should confirm to whom you're speaking, because I doubt this tantrum is meant for me. And secondly, the theory of Oslitz is incomplete. You don't have protons, neutrons, electrons, anything. That's why you can't do lightning spells, not because they're blasphemous. It's because you need electrons to discharge static electricity. Jen suddenly clamped her hand over her mouth. Nia recoiled as if physically struck. I really like that exchange. Is that how the fire Mm. started? Did you try to do a lightning spell? Okay, it was like 80% an accident. Back in the tavern, <laughs> the empty space had widened around Yellowing. <laughs> so have you she gets so mad about not having science that she admits to burning down half the town. Yeah. <laughs> Something I don't like about the way you say mem yet. The elf's idea of jokes were mercifully cut off when Nia stormed down the stairs, dragging a clearly unwilling Jen by the wrist. We need to leave this place. What? Why? I'm not going anywhere until I get some sausage <laughs> down my throat. Let me rephrase that. This is a city of spiritual <laughs> and I won't abide at poisoning the children. Kaltir, pay our bill. The group I feel like that's, you know, seven or eight years earlier, but that sounds like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine joke. Their departure is none too yeah. soon. As just an hour later, a heavily armored knight rode up to the inn. He was followed by six squires carrying his standard, a green falcon on a white field. Meanwhile, at Castle Guernatal, Ardell and Arlene Redmore were dining with their guest of honor, Antonin of House Mooncrest. Antonin, you will recall, was the chosen match for Arlene in marriage. Is this the first appearance of Antonin? It must be, I think. I think it's the first time we see him, but I mean, we've, we've, we've spoken about, about Yeah, we've, we've heard about him, but now we get to meet him. Mm-hmm. We don't get to see him. That's, that's true. <laughs> Throughout dinner, she did more moving around of food than actual eating. Antony Mooncrest. I feel like early on, we actually had this debate about whether we can call our listeners viewers. I don't know why. Pretty stupid. Not well, my lady. Or perhaps you are not accustomed to eating with quick sticks. No, it's not. Sister, we are eating Lord Mooncrest's favorite dish. You do him insult. Also at the table were Antonin's father, Marcus, and uncle, Julius. The former was the official head of House Mooncrest and had 50 years, but sadly was afflicted such that his mind was in many ways still a child's. The latter was of an age with his brother and assisted Antonin in the actual again, sort of credit to Paul. There's something about the sort of the, again, the character and vocal choice of like that deeper thing that you immediately go, ah, here's the good guy. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to sort of play that off against um, 
Dan's choices. <laughs> Who's always willing to be the, the sneaky bad guy. Opportunity to harass his sister. And, and I, th- I think also that it's like fun that he comes across a little bit as like boring, and then he gets to like have his moment mm-hmm. of being clever later. He's one of like he's one of the most decent guys in the whole show, Antonin. What do you say, my lady? That would be. Yeah, I don't predict things going well for him in the future, but we'll see. I mean, no, <laughs> I don't know anything. I'm, I'm just. Such a simple offer. You know, sometimes you have to sacrifice the good people for the plot. Calculate outcomes, weigh risks and rewards, and seek unseen implications. Paul also manages to change Antonin's voice so much that I often have, I, I struggle remembering who's the, the actor playing Antonin because it doesn't, it's so far from Paul in my mind. Especially the pacing. I don't let her near horses, lest the poor stupid things get scared and someone gets hurt. Then we shall take my mare, Sunbeam. The damn nag is too lazy. To Case in point. I'm sure, but I'm afraid and I must... it will be a splendid way for my betrothed and me to become better acquainted. With the chaperone, of course. Adele could not find a reasonable excuse to deny Mooncrest, despite his every effort. If you insist, my lord. Arlene smiled for the first time all evening, perceiving that, although the terms of the battle were unclear, somehow her brother had lost anyway. But yeah, Antonin very quickly latched on to something evil going on with Ardell there. But of course. I cannot speak highly enough of the character of my cousin Ricard. Arlene's smile died suddenly. You remember your cousin Ricard, don't you, sister? You two got along so well at our Neil and I feast. The main. What a jerk. Yeah, what a piece of shit. <laughs> so, what a jerks for writing Neil and I that I remember was a <laughs> quite a sticking <laughs> point in the recording session. Uh, yeah, I also just had flashbacks. <laughs> like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> that word is coming. They climbed the mountain. Don't tell me how you know this way. I'd rather quietly deceive myself into thinking my queen has never robbed a monastery. Whatever helps you sleep. Try not to think too hard about priests wearing gold while other people starve. This is a monastery, not a temple. What of value did they keep here? <laughs> Went a ghost that happened to be passing by. That's a... Was that Zach? No, that was a... Was that Zach voicing that? <laughs> it has a throwback to... An earlier inside joke where it was impossible to say myrrh in Regan's accent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Listeners, I don't know if you know this, but there are several things, several words over the years that I have asked to have been rewritten due to the impossibility of me to say them with a straight face. <laughs> The storm. So obviously the solution to that is to have a ghost say it instead. The outtakes. And had gone to the door to welcome any more travelers. I remember at one point saying, okay, fine, I'll change the word, but I'm going to put a semicolon in your sex scene, and then I did. Yes, I don't pronounce the semicolons, so that was not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so immature that I'm going to put a semicolon in your sex scene. The best thing that's happened to me today. 
but within sight of the other. <laughs> Ardell Redmore watched the couple suspiciously, trying to decipher Antonin's motivation for this ride. With him rode his cousin, Ricard Redmore. Also, I love that Ardell like, can't even imagine that he might even like Arlene. He's like, why do you want to spend time with someone that right. you're going to be married to? Right. The man she had just I mean, I think that's the thing about, like, really, really shitty people is that they project their shittiness onto other people and can't imagine that anybody would be nice to anybody else. Not in the least. Understand, it's not that I don't value etiquette, but if you'll excuse my frankness, I've come to believe that some rules are more important than... Oh, is this the... The, the, oh, I know this scene. I thought this was very clever, this scene. Thank you. I thought this was this episode. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff this chapter. When we are wed. Yes, because this is a wonderful, wonderful, like, intro to character of, like, ah, now we get to see what this man is made of. Further north, mm. the reeds get terribly dry. If lightning strikes or feral men make camp and are not careful, the resulting fire could quickly grow out of control and envelop the oasis as well. That would ruin my family and doom our people to starvation. Has is it? Sure you is it Heat, the movie with? Do you know what we do to prevent? Al Pacino plays a yes a cop who's doing like a drug. Do you know what I'm about the, to say? I don't. He's playing a cop doing a drug bust. Oh, does he give the same monologue basically? So no, no, no. It's not the monologue. It's not the monologue. It's the intro to the character where at the beginning they um. So he's doing a, a drug bust. He's luring people in uh, to be pounced on by the police. And then, you know, they, they lured them there by saying, you know, free tickets to such and such a thing. And one of the uh, suspects they want to arrest comes up, but he's brought his kid's son with him. And Al Pacino just, like, flashes the guy's badge and says, go on, get out of here. There's no prize today. And... Had you been um, close enough? The guy turns around and takes his son away. And so what you're supposed to get from that is Pacino's like a hard-nosed cop, but he's got a code. He's got right, to right. bust him in front of his son. Like, that's kind of what I feel like happens here, where we learn something about Antonin and what he's about to... I've lost a little bit of track where we are in the episode, but what he's about to do here. Yeah. Here we go. ...like a statue before bolting ahead. Antonin sat the terrified horse as calmly as if she were walking in a park. Arlene clung to her betrothed for dear life. By the time Ardell and Ricard had caught up, Arlene was on the ground next to a large oak tree. Antonin leapt off his horse to offer a hand. So the audience goes, why did you do this? My lady. What in Galadon's name is happening? Antonin Mooncrest knelt in contrition before Ardell. Lord Redmore, you have my most abject apology. I thought I knew my horse well, but you knew the lady better. I beg your forgiveness, my lord. If the lady is injured in any way, my house will repay yours tenfold. Go help the poor thing, cousin. Ricard dismounted and made the briefest eye contact with Mooncrest. All I will say, Lord Mooncrest, is that your Lord Uncle would never have been so foolhardy. I deserve much harsher words. Cousin Ricard offered a hand. And such a good job of, like, you know, pretending to be, you know, uh, very apologetic. And this should go without saying, but on behalf of my house, 
I forfeit the right to request blood proof of Maid Redmore's maidenhood. The silence was deafening. The entire forest stilled at the shock of these words. Arlene scarce dared to breathe. What? Adele's face grew more and more... Like, one piece of uh, writing advice that I got early on that I always try to take the, to heart is, like, the first thing you see a character do should tell you something useful about the, the character. It's entirely plausible that the maiden nod... It is so much more of a succinct way of describing my whole Al Pacino thing. Yeah. <laughs> I watched Knives Out yesterday to it's prepare for movie. the sequel. And there's so many, like, little details that, like, add up to the characters who are, like, pretending to be, you know, good people. And yet, like, all of the time, like, there's so many little, like, dialogue choices and, like, yeah. looks and, like, just, like, setups that are... And the fact that nobody yeah. knows what country Anadarmus is from. from. Yes, yes. Literally every country in South America is named. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. Um, I just love the, um, the like, immigrants, they get the job done. I saw it at the public. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that joke. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's something, you reminded me, one of my favorite lines in this movie is, is, like, akin to what we did with the the Brennan Regan thing of like kind of taking somebody else's account of something like for 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 granted where the there's like the young girl who says that the the younger boy the even younger boy is like an alt-right troll and accuses him of jerking off in the bathroom and later when Daniel Craig is like giving an account of what happened, he's like, Yes, in the downstairs bathroom where the Nazi boy was masturbating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what did he hear? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan Johnson has never made a movie I don't like. I'm very excited for the next Knives Out. Young to be an Armstrong Guard student. She also had a gaping wound in the center of her chest. There are seven things you must know to save. Oh, there's Jess. I forgot that ah. Jess was the the dream. The dream girl. sprung towards leaping the many Was this the first appearance of no. the single bound? Jen may be ready to talk. We haven't had one in a while, have we? Yeah, we have not. What's with that? <laughs> no comment. Contained Jen. still awake and on guard, noticed her confusion. Bell Tower. And you let her go in her current state? Nia indeed found Jen in the Bell Tower, surveying the storm. Jen? I owe you an apology. The anger had fled from Jen's eyes. Still, she did not turn or speak. Since undertaking this quest, which I was admittedly not fully prepared for, I have... well... Suffice it to say, my faith has become somewhat more complex. I unfairly expected you and the boys to restore some of the simplicity of youth, and then lashed out when you were human. You know what I've been feeling since this morning? I can't imagine. Powerful. Jen turned and looked Nia directly in the eyes. I swung my arm and made him go away, and now he can't hurt anyone else. 
That felt so good, thinking I could make all the bad men go away, and then no one else would have to go through Oh, here's I didn't want the... to think about it because I knew once I thought about it... Moral ambiguity isn't the right word, but... Oh my god. She realizes that there's, you know, good and bad things. Jen fell sobbing into Nia's shoulder as the acolyte wrapped the girl in a comforting embrace. Their moment, however, was interrupted by a splintering crash from below. Frieshelm and his squires had broken through the monastery's barred door. Yeluin's yeah, there's that sort of TV timing again, right? But the other three used their fallen companions as a shield to get close enough to tackle the elf. At that range, his bow was useless, and without enough time to draw a knife, he was quickly restrained by the three large men. Billy and Nelson, to their credit and the credit of Brennan's training, were awake and armored in moments. They stood bravely shoulder to shoulder. I think we have gotten a little more confident about letting action scenes play out without necessarily feeling like we have to play by play it and then the the narrator can just come in when like extremely necessary or for like helpful color and it I think it makes the pacing better. The man casually lifted Which I will also say, yeah. I, I like. I, I I like giving lines away to the action of what's actually going on. I think it, it is more compelling. Mm. Yeah, we've been, we've been getting better at our different grunts. <laughs> That's also true. <laughs> With his left hand, thank God someone said it. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, there's a, coming up in uh, chapter nine that the listeners have not heard yet. There are some truly incredible uh, grunts from our friends Greg and Dan. Very excited for everyone to hear those. Oh yes, I was listening in on that. He shook, and her eyes rolled wildly as she kicked and struggled. Suddenly, she stopped kicking. Her eyelids. It has caused some questions for me, though. Um, I've been uploading our episodes to YouTube and converting the scripts into closed captioning. Mm. And now that we're leaving more towards the action, it becomes a little bit uh, more, more unclear how to properly closed caption it, especially with YouTube tries to algorithmically line it up with words that it hears. Yeah. So when there are words that are not said, it confuses their their closed captioning algorithm. Mm -hmm. So when we when we leave more of fight scenes to sound cues, it gets a little confusing in that regard. Yeah. But I don't think that should stop us from doing it. I think it works quite well. Yeah, if audially. Anything, we might have to find a way to be a little more accurate in our after the fact transcription. Yeah. And then the squires were dead. And the the full scripts are always available. The the closed captioning is just what right. YouTube like auto fills on the screen. But there's always access to the full right. script PDF form. He rushed to Jen's side. Jen, is she all right? That sucked. The print of a hand was clearly <laughs> red ghosts of fingers grasping her neck. This is where uh, Frieshelm was trying to choke her, and then she electrocuted his metal yep. armor, and so fried her own throat. Just like the court jester. Instead, she gingerly placed her own hands upon the girl's neck, 
I'm sorry, this is a great movie and everyone should watch it. If you've not seen 1954's The Court Jester, please look it up and watch it. It's amazing. Angela Lansbury is like 21 and so hot. It's amazing. Does it stream anywhere? Uh, yeah, it's on some like free old movie when Regan Interesting. looked towards the elf for confirmation, he nodded too. No shit. Well, fuck me, I had you wrong, girly. I owe you a drink. And you just magic the shit out of Falcon Boy there. Yeah, what did you do, honey? That was fucking awesome. <laughs> she attempted an enchantment way beyond her ability and injured herself in the process, which is exactly what I warned her about. Thank you for not listening. Such a buzzkill, Nia. Jeez. <laughs> but she had that thank you for not listening to me. I enjoyed yeah. that line. General, while out in the taverns, I heard some troubling whispers about the kingdom. Some are true, I'm afraid. His majesty is slain, and Ardell Redmore has usurped the high throne. What? Yilwyn, you heard talk of this and didn't tell us? You know how common men gossip. There was no sense worrying you all until we knew for sure. Well, now you know. Oh, and also that means I'm... Yeah, Yellowin has come a long way in terms of, like, not thinking he knows better than everybody. Which is admittedly a very, like, 17-year-old problem to have, but I'm proud of Yellowin. <laughs> that, was, that was fairly intentional, yeah. though, at the very start of book two, yeah, right? absolutely. Like, when his world kind of fell apart, yeah. and then we had him learn contrition. Yeah. I never thought I'd see such a thing in my life, but... I'm afraid it does. If you would be so gracious as to broker our passage into the White Forest. Yeah, of course. Though I would caution you all not to mention the less lawful moments of the last few days in the presence of elves. We can't go anywhere till the storm dies down. Luckily, neither can anyone get up here. Let's take the chance to get some rest. Yellowin looked around, as if noticing for the first time that the room was full of corpses. We should deal with these. Before the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Good line. Gather up the rest. I'll help you, Brennan. Brennan and Regan struggled to carry the large corpse through the gale winds and driving rain. As they tossed the body over a cliff, Brennan spoke. Was an attorney. He was Redmore's champion, and I was your grandfather's. What great soundscape! Yeah, good job, Isn't that? Yeah, it's setting the scene. Didn't think a peasant was worth the money. Guter humiliated himself to get me released. Don't think I've ever forgiven myself. Next oh yeah, I like this scene too. Yeah. Was an orc raid near Blackhold. I led 500 light infantry into four times as many pike. Even I heard about that. Didn't know it was you though. Our foes broke rank. Everyone said my boldness won the day. I ran in thinking we'd surely die. It was the point. Guilt's a privilege of the living. Freezelm's dead. Aye, but he lived and died a night. Let's get inside. As the two returned from outside, Yellowin was searching the squares. Brandon just wants to be a knight. While Billy, Nelson, and Nia tended to <laughs> I'm gonna need somebody to walk me through this. Through what? I love this moment. I forgot about this. Your grace. A queen can do that, right? If Her Majesty wills it. Neil, General Brennan of Greyfield. Brennan could not keep the grin from widening across his face as he knelt in front of his queen. He waited expectantly, and waited, and waited. <laughs> okay, that's all I got. Yellowin rolled his eyes, but took the Kalatir <laughs> post behind Queen Regan's right shoulder. 
Say I, then state your full name and titles. I. Is this the first queenly thing that uh, Regan does? Yeah, I think so. And they were pretty intentional about that. What are yeah. real titles? Champion of the civilized peoples and High Queen of the human realms of Jordan. Shit, look at me. I, Irana Margaret Regan, champion of the civilized peoples and High Queen of the human realms of Jordan. Do call this is a really sweet moment, but I also think that it's like still kind of a game to her in her head. Mm. Um, like just the lightness of it versus like what happens in our, you know, where we currently are in the story and like the, the heavy purpose that she carries taking it more seriously. You may. Is that going to make this count any less for you, General? No, Your Grace. But I do like how she checks if that'll make it count any less for him if Nia says the words. That's a, that is a sweet gesture. In all you do and obey her every order. Like she realizes that it's, you know, the forms do matter to some extent to some people. Yeah. How are we defining disorder and disgrace? <clears throat> Fine. I would not. I'll do all the fun stuff myself. Now you dub him. Is that the sword part? Yes. Regan drew her blade and touched the flat steel. I love that she's like, oh yeah, I know there's a sword involved somewhere. <laughs> My father was called Willem. I W. Sir Brennan Willemson. The steel touched his right shoulder. Arise, Sir Brennan. This is like Man of La Mancha, except Brennan's not a total fuck up. Man of the what? <laughs> it's a musical. <laughs> they did it at school last year. I was gonna be in it. Jen, rest your voice. Billy Nelson. <laughs> 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 he lifted the girl and carried her towards the beds. Nelson followed. Once Nia was sure the children were out of earshot, she turned to Brennan and Regan. Jen's throat will swell. I can ice it, but I can only do so much without my staff. She needs a real physician. And Brennan needs his arm taken care of. I told you it's fine. That's my arm, and I'm gonna need it. There will be elven medicine that can help when we get to the White Forest. If we don't get there soon, it may be too late for Jen. But we are dead for sure if we try to get down this storm. We must be ready to depart as soon as the storm clears. Kaltir, take the first watch. As they dispersed to prepare for the evening, Regan held her night back for a moment. Sir Brennan. Your Grace. Uh, Maggie and Katie, good sword names. That's a good ending for the chapter. Yeah, it is. I like that. I'm liking how our commentary is just our giggling at things and going like, Oh, I, I think we did a great yeah. job there. Oh, I like this film. <laughs> this is, if you've ever watched, um... Arnold Schwarzenegger do a commentary on one of his movies. They're they're quite similar. Uh, that, I think the best one is um, Total Recall because like Paul Verhoeven. Oh, this is my favorite yeah, part. Exactly. <laughs> Every part is bad. like Paul Verhoeven is really trying to talk about like what a scene meant and like how he got a shot and all this like interesting filmmaking stuff and Arnold is there like literally just describing the movie and saying this is my favorite <laughs> scene well would anyone uh, have any concluding thoughts they want to uh, end a, our discussion of this chapter on yeah. other than thank god other Christian let me start doing the outro credits because <laughs> <laughs> this is nonsense <laughs> 
When did I mean, we start having we, everybody say their own names? That's a good question. Uh, I don't remember. I like that. I like that personal. I think it was season touch. two. Yeah, maybe. Or year mm-hmm. two, I think it was. There's a, a wave of nostalgia coming back listening to these, and it's fun chatting with everybody of like how far we've come. There's, there's a lot of great memories that have been made around this uh, silly little project of Zach and uh, Christian's that I'm just happy to ride it on the coattails of. There is no coattail riding. Yeah. If anything, it's the yeah, reverse. Exactly. <laughs> We're all on a magic carpet. Yeah. <laughs> of MC Escher coattails. <laughs> Everyone sitting on each other's yeah. coattails. No, that was a fun chapter, and I think it it did kind of um, it it showed a a comfort with the world and the the characters that was that was new to us at the time. Yeah, and also like you know some some big sort of psychological journeys. Yeah, it was a good midway point for the season because I think it kind of set up the characters' arcs for the the rest of the the book in a lot of ways. And setting yeah. up going to the White Forest next. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very glad we listened to and discussed this. Um, the the next chapter that comes after this is The Singing Sister, which is uh, an all-time top chapter. And we almost chose to skip this chapter for commentary and jump straight to The Singing Sister, which is also a very good chapter. But I'm, I'm glad we discussed this one. This was, it was a, a good uh, reflection and reminiscing. Yeah. Now, there's too much good stuff that happens in this one. Yeah. We'll do The Singing Sisters another yeah. time. Um, thank you guys so much for, for joining us. Um, is there anything we want to uh, plug before um, we leave? I have one, um, and that is that uh, the incomparable uh, Ian Harkins, um, his production company, has an audio drama out. Uh, it is called The Iron Anthology, right? Is that it? Yes. Christian, you are you are too kind. Uh, yes. Uh, so we have come out with three uh, audio dramas, uh, each 45 minutes long, uh, called Ore, uh, Blood, and Lock. And together they're called The Iron Anthology, which if you look up Iron Anthology on your Apple Podcasts, your Spotify's, your et cetera's, you will uh, find... Um, Thank you very, very much for saying so, Christian. Yeah, I've listened. To, I've listened to all three. They're extremely good. Um, they're it's like they're you know they're written by like like real playwrights, not you know two two dipshits like this show. Um, and they're they're <laughs> really well written, really well performed, and you guys should check them out. And I perform in uh, one of them, so have fun seeing if you can uh, spot uh, spot one of them. I have not listened yet, and I'm very excited to listen. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Points off for Zach. <laughs> I didn't Fair. know it existed, so that's the first no, time hearing you, about it. But uh... you're part of our target audience. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll cue that up for my next my next road trip. Anya, do you have anything going on that you want to shout out? Uh, not really. If you are around Ithaca, New York on Wednesdays, um, come on over to the Argos Inn and listen to some jazz and you might hear me sing. Nice. That's awesome. I didn't know you were doing that. It's a hyper, hyper local endorsement. Sure. (laughs) It's, it's, it's actually really, really fun. Yeah. Nice. I also want to shout out, um, our fabulous artist, John Flanagan, who's been creating our end of chapter artwork that patrons have had access to uh he has a link tree to all of his other work 
So if you're if you're looking for some cool art, it's linktr.ee slash mAlbatross, M-A-L-B-A-T-R-O-S-S. And he has a little bit of Once in Future Nerd work up there, but also a lot of his own artwork. And John, we've I've known John for a long time and he's an incredible artist. Yeah. So everyone go check out his work. Yeah, we'll put a link in the in the show notes. Absolutely. And on that note, I believe the Once in Future Nerd is taking a uh, winter break hiatus now, but we should be back in 2023 for the next chapter. Yeah, January, yeah we're taking the December Another off. year. Yep, we'll be back in <laughs> at the last Sunday of uh, January um, for the premiere of Book 2, Chapter 9, which I think uh, it is possibly my favorite chapter to date. I really like this one. I'm excited for everyone to hear it. Yes, very looking forward to hearing you all there. In the meantime, uh, you can always reach out to us by the usual channels. Uh, Provided Twitter is still around when you hear this. Yes, that is that is a fair point. Um, as of now, you can still reach us on Twitter. Um, you can also, I believe our website has a link to the Discord. If you'd like to join other fans of the show in the discussions, uh, please feel free to check that out or Facebook on our website, so forth. And... See you all in 2023. Thanks, everyone. Happy set of major holidays, everybody. Yes. Indeed. Yes. Bundle up if you are in a cold place. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, everybody. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you. Wait, you don't you guys don't constantly get served Mike's Hard Lemonade commercials on YouTube? No. No. Uh, no. That's like all That's I get. You. Every really? other yes. How many times are you Googling Mike's Hard Lemonade Zero. that your ad service I, thinks this? I don't want I think that this. the fact that you're talking about it on the internet is only gonna make it worse. <laughs> Probably. I get I get Vubo that like you could rent a whole house for vacation. Obviously because Uh-oh. we just go to Mexico. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they're like wow this bitch always wants to rent some house somewhere and leave yeah <laughs> yeah uh, they're stupid it's like oh we're like really like rough cowboys and I make the half and half lemonade iced tea by round kicking my friend in the face with a jar of iced tea and lemon and it's like guys just what? it's it's so like and it's a little bit tongue in cheek but Sounds you can, like you have no sense of humor. It, it's it's like you can tell <laughs> that the whole point of the commercials are we have to like we have to be tongue in cheek so we can make men be comfortable drinking lemonade. And it's like, guys, it's Correct. lemonade. Like, please step outside of the unlocked prison cell of gender and just have a fucking <laughs> lemonade without making it well, violent. <laughs> I mean, the amount of like college dudes that I've seen drinking White Claw in Ithaca, like you you'd think it's not an issue. Or yeah. even those like little like cans of like pineapple vodka right. drink, whatever that are like malt, totally just malt liquor. That's why I'm kind of like, who is this? Like, who is this for? Maybe it's my bubble yeah. that I'm like, who is this for? But just guys, just have a fucking lemonade. It's fine.
I really want to have a podcast now of like just people, just an interview podcast of of anyone just being like, this is who I am. This is how I go through the world. And this is my personalized ads that I get served on <laughs> YouTube good, and Instagram actually. and Facebook That's and how they're good. like nothing like me. Yeah. <laughs>